from Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Welcome back to all of our loyal listeners out there in Grouch and Brainstorm land. I'm Mike, and here with me tonight for episode 14. Yeah, episode 14. Hey. Is that episode 14? Am I right? No idea. It's behind me. It's behind me. It's written. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So we have a board. <laughs> we have a board. <laughs> We're professional. So whenever you come over and ask me uh, what, what the topic is, <laughs> look at the board. Yeah. That's gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, how that works. I got um I got Matt with me tonight. What's so up? Say hi, Matt. Where hey he, everybody. He just did. I got Hayden here tonight. Hey, how's it going? And we have Jill back. Hey guys. So well. yeah. Good group here, man. We have we have not recorded in a while. It's been at least a week and a half. Um I was out of town last week and earlier this week we had some uh some illnesses and stuff go down and it's also very hot where we're at here in Bozier City. It's about 103 degrees outside right this minute. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you just walk out right now and you dehydrate just by getting in your car. So, um, glad we could get the group together to record this episode. And as promised on the last episode, we are going to talk about natural instincts. And a lot of this comes from uh, the 12 and 12, actually, is is where we talk about the natural instincts. And... Um, and how we take our natural instincts and we misguide, they're misguided. We don't use them properly. And this is the third episode where we have talked about step four or something that has to do with step four. And we'll probably wrap up this step four discussion with, you know, the natural instincts. But it, the reason why I picked natural instincts as a, a um, topic was because it took a long time for me to realize that some of the things that other people do and they do on a normal basis, you know, I overused or misdirected mine and probably led to some of my unhappiness. And it took, I was at a 12 and 12 study, actually, whenever I figured this out, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, man, you know, I just, that makes a lot of sense because it seems like for me, and I can't speak for any, anybody else, but it seems like for me, you know, I don't want one, I want five. You know, there's not even two or three doesn't make me happy. You know, I want, I don't want one. It doesn't make any sense to me, you know. And if I, I mean, you can just, even where, even where I live, you look around and you, there's just twos. There's, you know, I just, you know, all the stuff. So, and that is an instinct. And, you know, for the more, right? And that instinct um, luckily doesn't cause any harm to other people, right? So I haven't really started looking into it you know and it doesn't cause harm for me for the most part anything that i do in twos or threes is is not a a bad thing but is it a necessary thing probably not you know i could probably get by with one of just about anything that i have except for microphones because if i only had one microphone we would all be sitting really close right now and and at least we're spread out here in the (laughs) in the uh studio so um But the 12 and 12, the very first page of step four, talking about how natural instincts are God-given. And and so in this discussion, we are going to have to talk about a couple of things. And we're not going to get way off base on these things that you can, obviously, because one of the natural desires or instincts is is called is our desires for sex relations. And without that, we wouldn't have a population. We wouldn't have people on the earth. You know, it's, it's a natural desire that can be taken way out of whack. Um, 
also the desire for material and emotional um, security um, for an important place in society. These are all natural instincts that seem to control us in some sort. You know, I have I've stated on this this thing a lot. I, I'm a workaholic. You know, so if I get down to the why, why am I a workaholic, right? Um, there's an instinct to provide, right? There, there is that, I guess, for me anyway, to get out there and take care of what I'm supposed to take care of or my responsibilities. But could that be done in, I don't know, 40 hours a week? Probably, right? Could it be done in 20? Probably. You know, there, there's no need for 80 or 90, but for some reason, my natural instinct, I just haven't got that in check. No, how does that affect other people? Well, when I was, you know, had a family and we all lived under the same house, obviously I wasn't there. You know, especially if you're going to sleep four or five hours a night and then work 14, 15, 16 hours a day. It doesn't leave a whole lot of room in your life for those people who care about you. And that's just one of many natural instincts that I will uh, talk about whenever we get back around. Um, Jill's has requested that she go first on this one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Matt's saving up some really good natural instincts. <laughs> for the, but save how, the worst for last. Yeah, we'll, we'll save the most uh, destructive one <laughs> for last. Or disturbing. His, his desire to see things burn. <laughs> so, But you got to forgive him. He's from Mississippi. Oh, so. uh, well. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> the natural state? Is that no? That's where I'm Natural from. instincts. Rare, really? The Arkansas is a Arkansas. natural state. Oh, that's right. Mississippi's the... Uh, the toilet bowl of America. What does Theo call it? The rabies belt or something? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. Probably. That's close enough. I can know. I can see a lot of natural, natural instincts going wild. Isn't that a movie? Natural instincts going wild. You know, <laughs> Columbia, natural instincts going wild. So um, what you got, Jill? Um, This... You know, what I want to talk about um, is probably one of the most common natural instincts of of all. And um, it took me a really long time to actually get this and have this like epiphany. I mean, a a very long time. I mean, not a about five or so something years. I mean, it took a lot of peeling that all the layers back to see what was uh revealed and i and it happened through the fourth step and it was about emotional security it's about love it's about those desires and um you know to start off uh you know i had to look at all of that you know i i never got married um i didn't i haven't dated a lot i mean i've dated don't get me wrong um and um i just I felt incredibly, even starting in high school, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like looked over or just, um, wallflower kind of thing. Yeah, I guess so. Not part of maybe. Yeah. All my friends were dating. I just wasn't. And a lot of people said they were scared to ask me out and that's, that's cool. Like, I, I mean, I don't, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, and so that's where this like path of this neck of destruction, this negative thinking started to come through and uh, really start affecting me um, because I started to dive into self pity. And like I said, I was able to identify that around a, a way into my recovery. Um, 
And and just like going through, you know, the all those years, and I mean, I'm talking decades of how I just used that to my disadvantage to um, just dig a hole and just stay there. And it almost killed me because I was able to identify that as my number one defect of character. Um, you know, throughout the years and all the relationships gone, gone wrong or, or whatever. And, um, I just continually would beat myself up over it. And, um, it, I spiraled out with drugs and with alcohol, a very long, long, long line of going for emotionally unavailable men, um, and of course they never worked out, but also at the same time, I wasn't emotionally available, available. and I, and, and it, it took a long time to, to work through all that, um, and, and like they say, I think my, my picker's broken, but, um, that's okay, that's, I mean, I have, like, really worked on this a lot, so throughout the years, being alone and thinking something was wrong with me, um, loneliness set in and all I wanted was to like be loved to, you know, to be held human contact, all that kind of stuff. And man, I just spun out. And I I know this, (laughs) is this difficult for you guys to hear? No, (laughs) it, and I think this is common with a lot of people in recovery. You get sober and all of a sudden you think, well, you know, it's going to happen. Or um, I'm really going to work on this so it will happen. I'm going to get myself healthy so someone will love me. And um, shit, it didn't happen. And I remember getting really frustrated in recovery and, you know, a huge resentment. And, And I had to continually work through this because, shit, I'm doing the right thing. I'm working on myself and I still can't manage to do this. And so I, I stayed frustrated. I stayed lonely. You know, I kept date, you know, going after a lot of the wrong men and I couldn't understand like what the hell was going on. And it just like made me dive a little bit deeper into my spirituality and and into working on myself. Um, About five years ago, my sponsor suggested, hey, why don't you go to the steps on loneliness? And I was like, what? That, that sounds crazy. Why would I do that? And I was like, but if it works, hey. I mean, I was like, sure, let's do it. I didn't know that you could really do the steps on something like that. I mean, a lot of people have mentioned they've done it on other things mm. like overeating or whatever it may be, but like a feeling. And wow. so we did. And um, I can't, I just, ever since I did that, it changed everything. And I was not expecting that. I mean, I know that the steps have worked for alcohol and drugs for, you know, for a long time. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But will it work with the most maladaptive feeling and, um, you know, just paralyzing feeling that I have? Hmm. And, um, I didn't, I wasn't sure about that, even though it had taken away a lot of other things that I've worked on, like the panic attacks and the fears and the other things, but I just didn't think it would help with this one. Um, and it did, it was, it was like, almost. it was one of my biggest miracles in recovery. And it wasn't that long ago. And where I felt loneliness 
I now feel solitude. I like being alone. I like doing my own thing. Um, I don't get into those negative thought patterns like no one's ever going to love me. No one's those kind of things, because that was number one on my uh, fear list. I'm going to die alone. And um, it it just it kept me in that pool of self-pity. And um, it just it wasn't good for me because I can sit there if I let myself get into that type of thinking because it's still there. It hasn't disappeared. It's, it's just not what I feed into anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I don't, like, I don't have time for that. And I also want, I don't want to get sad or depressed or, you know, or, or freaking relapse. Mm. God, I just said freaking, I never say that. Um, I'm trying to be a very um, refined lady. Um, so anyway. okay, you can cuss. So is Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on but it. But yeah, I mean that this has been a huge part of my life, and I think so much of my um, my everything has gone into it that it actually like ruined relationships. It repelled everybody, um, and so and it made me become needy and 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 whatever. And the thing was like. That wasn't necessarily the issue. It was way deeper than that. It was me not trusting God. It was me not surrendering that right there. Even though I surrendered it, it was one of those things that I had to surrender a million times. And guess what? Sometimes I still have to do it um, because I am an imperfect human. And I think that'll probably be something that I may have to work on and continue to. But um, and that's okay. I mean, that's what all this stuff that we have learned in recovery is about: is working through these defects of character and the things that inhibit our growth and our happiness. And so, uh, it, I, I'm in a totally different place, and I have been for a pretty long time. Um, I'm happy with me. I I. I I've given this to my higher power. I do it every morning. I mean, it's part of my routine because if that's the worst defect of character I have, then I need to really work on that. And that's all the time. And so, and it's not to say I don't have a million other and other things don't affect me, but that was to me, that's lethal. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, my desire, my natural instincts to be loved and to be accepted and to not be rejected, all of that um, is, is, is huge. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you just, just from hearing you talk just now, one, you have a very wise sponsor. I mean, just for your sponsor to even suggest working the 12 steps on, you know, this particular uh issue yeah was was amazing i mean yeah. god obviously put that hat that happened just in in the time it was supposed to happen and and two for you to actually recognize it do something about it get out there and you know change your thought process you know and and you know i go back to back to you know in all of what she said she really didn't talk about drinking at all right there was no mention of drugs or drinking or any of that stuff you know it was it was a and, and i have worked with a lot of guys and i hear over the years i've heard the whole um you know i don't want to die alone you know usually mm -hmm. when we're doing a fear inventory that's number one 
And um, that's that's good. Yeah. You know, to do in your fear inventory to discuss that and to recognize it. And as and it's, it is a natural instinct. You know, I think it's a natural instinct to be loved. You know, as a kid, you know, it may be by a parent. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you want that that emotional bond from someone, you know, and that might be something that's deep down inside us all. Every man, woman and child, you know. Yeah. But then as we grow, you know, the, obviously that that instinct is going to change and it does in most people. I mean, I would imagine if it doesn't, then there's there's you know, it just doesn't. Right. I don't know if anything's wrong with you or not, but I know that um, to recognize it and to actually look at it because if it's something that you take this chapter talks about the um the the relationship part of it right in this particular chapter on 12 and 12 it talks about the relationship the part of it and it says that um like we can love so much not really i don't want to say that depend on someone so much that we drive them away yeah you know or we can be so overbearing you know, back to that natural instinct of wanting to be loved. We'd be so overbearing. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not particularly like this myself, right? But, you know, I have seen and worked with people over the years who were so much in fear of losing someone <laughs> that they did everything they thought was natural to hang on to them, and that's exactly what it took to lose them. Absolutely. And and that you don't have to be an alcoholic to fall into that category. No, no. And um, I mean, I appreciate that. It, it I, I had to change something. You know, crying myself to sleep every night was getting a little ridiculous. Um, I really wanted to talk about this. That's why I was like, hey, man, I got to talk about this. I'll talk about it first because I have uh, talked to many, many, many women and men in recovery with the same, um, you know, same issues and all and. That's what we did. We drank and we used to make that go away. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, who wants to date that? Um, <laughs> well, by the way, callers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't really talk about this a lot because I don't want to sound like again, like I'm in self-pity or, or whatever. Um, I think you hit the nail on the I head, think though. somebody out there needs to hear that. I, I agree, and that's why I wanted Somebody's to mention that. Somebody's sitting to the left of you right now. So you and I have had this discussion recently, kind of <laughs> I ballpark stop. of what this. Hang on just a second. Huh? I'm surprised Matt knew the difference between left and right. I have to call I have to turn sideways. I checked first. I'm guilty too. I have Velcro friend. shoes. That's all I'm gonna say. But uh Jill, we we kinda have been discussing this a little bit and some other people I'm friends with and yeah, it's uh you you just knocked that out of the park. But I think it I mean like to boil it down to my way of thinking, you put a lot more time in this, but it's just learning to be okay with yourself yeah. and then going, if there's someone there, then God's going to provide that. If they're not, I'm okay with that too. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. And I was going to tell y'all after we turn the mics off, but you and Mike, y'all don't know how much y'all help me because y'all always will be talking and y'all are 10 plus years sober, both of you, and y'all go, yeah, about year five. Well, I'm in year five, so I like hearing (laughs) year five movement, you know. Uh, I really do. And uh, so I'm kind of in that uh, deal now, and it's 
it's weird and i always just have to go back and go well, what's wrong with me why what's going on with me that i'm not okay just chilling or that i have to be involved you know and yeah and it's normally it's something that i'm some sick thing with me and uh and this is totally random question but i hear this with all of my friends in the program ladies and they all say emotionally unavailable men that is the three words what does that mean exactly maybe i am one because i don't know what it means but i mean what are you saying by that like well, it could mean it could mean a lot of things. I mean, it could be just like what I was saying. I was emotionally unavailable, which means that I wasn't in touch with my emotions. I was high. I was drunk. I had a void of that. I did not love myself, or therefore I can't love anybody else. There you go. Okay. Those kind of things, the maturity aspect of it, um, you know, communication, mm-hmm. the lack of communication in a relationship. Could, could that can mean something but like stuff like that well like this is recently and i guess games this is going in, yeah you know yeah. um oh my goodness yeah. stuff like that yeah. like i don't play that shit yeah i <laughs> well, don't play that I, I and you know i hate to say i mean but like this is just recently uh went through a divorce and then spent a, a while just not doing anything as far as dating or any of that and i'm glad that i did um and just kind of tried to deal with what i had going on and um it's funny because you know when you are dating and you 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 meet people and they're just like it's a man let me grab them you know Mm -hmm. and then they just had one and then that one ended badly and so it's like 48 hours later i have another one and i'm happy again and i'm going oh man this is scary and yeah there's a lot of people out there that can't be alone yeah and they go from one relationship to the other to the other and there's a lot to be said about that yeah and and the other the other like there's that and then there's where i finally figured out my my mistake or or you finally well, figured it out. well <laughs> hold on that's a we ain't got all night okay <laughs> it's not a therapy session uh, many mistakes but on the on this t- topic so relationship wise mine had, even even the girl that i was married to for so long we were never friends we went right into wide open other types of relationships mm-hmm. never friends i didn't you know we're a year into it and i'm like oh you don't like uh broccoli you know and i'm <laughs> i have no idea because <laughs> you know you know what i mean but that's weird yeah and then it doesn't it's not healthy and it doesn't develop the right way um and you get down the line and then you realize big differences and stuff that you never even thought to bring up because you didn't take the time to even yeah try to figure that out well and and then when you start adding in intimacy sex whatever you want to call it that just adds a whole nother layer of issues you know and 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 things like with women i mean we oxytocin is uh produced when we have sex and um what y'all are like wait I can't where did that. this even go <laughs> can't tell my left from my right i have to register that for my word game that is is what causes us to have an emotional bond um and like all that will cloud you know cloud all Mm -hmm. of that because if that's what we're looking for then sex could also be the issue right there so you're so let me ask you this just for the listeners (laughs) and my own (laughs) um 
you're saying that you might make bad judgment calls based on the fact that that chemical has been produced due to yeah actual the actual intimate act. Yeah, it's, okay. I think it's called the love uh, hormone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel like we have the complete opposite. So it, like the 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 post finish clarity is one hundred percent accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah I uh, post finish clarity. <laughs> that's, I'm googling that next. <laughs> this guy and his big word. I've never had clarity on anything. Well, much less and on I that, do think so. the sex is different for men and women. Oh, absolutely. Because, and so because. <laughs> Be weird if it wasn't. <laughs> Stop. Sorry. So you could see where, and and I know a lot of women in you know that get sober and they will do that to feel better about themselves. And so that's not what I want to do. And if you and you know like people make a big deal out of sex, but think about it like this. And we have we all have a lot of friends in the program, but how many of them that you've been around a while and they go, yeah, I quit drinking and drugging. Now I gamble. I'm a sex addict, and I eat at Chinese buffets every day. You know, and you're like, okay, and well, it's the same thing. You know, very, we're very unhealthy. Yeah, we're yeah. not we're not Especially okay with ourselves, and it's just trying to. Well, you know, it's a thing in AA, the, the old thirteen step. You know, um, thirteen yeah. steppers. I mean, it is. It is very common and for I've people seen, to go to that. I've seen it lead to some relapses. Sure. Relationships, oh, relationships yes. like that. And sex out of it. Just take the sex out of it, you know, but just relationships, period. And and then lead to, you know, some form of relapse. You know, it could, hopefully it's just an emotional relapse, right, where you just stay in self-pity and there's no emotional sobriety at all for a little while and then you come back right. and you yep. get yourself back right? i've seen it lead to two attempted suicides i've seen it yeah and Dang. so i mean it just that's hmm. well obviously matt's natural desires are not that so he's cool as a cucumber. suicide yeah no yeah no i just uh i go fishing you know usually <laughs> that, that, that's a, i screw up <laughs> nature boy matt that's right. That's right. think about it a while so so have you taken your fishing um to the extreme to where it would affect other people i've taken everything in my life to the extreme there's nothing that i do work i'm over there nodding when you talk about that it doesn't matter, man. I'm an alcoholic, dude. We can do anything y'all want to do. I have to constantly in my life go, is this healthy? Am I doing this because I enjoy doing it? it it's a break, a healthy break from what I'm doing. Or am I doing this because I don't want to feel a certain way or I'm irritated? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's eating ice cream. It doesn't matter if it's bass fishing. Do these things make you feel comfortable? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I can I can like I go back to my I'm not gonna call it a work addiction, right? But yeah. basically it's what it is. It keeps there, my mind on something that I'm not thinking about crap this bothers. Well, me. I was I was gone all week last week, right? Completely out of my norm. And and um I, I wasn't in my right zone when I got back, right? I, I call it out of kilter. I don't mm -hmm. know how anybody else is gonna call it. But it's like I went back Monday full full force monday morning and when i go back all of a sudden there's that sense of ease and comfort you know by i don't know why i, I do not know why but that is you know there's there's something comfortable in these things you know and, and I, when i start thinking about it is it because i want to forget about everything else in the world well, no I, there's really nothing else to forget about you know i'm sure there's some things i want to forget about but 
for some reason, this is this is my comfort zone. Does that make yep. sense? Oh, absolutely. And um, you know, so it, that's obviously that's become a natural instinct. I've been doing it a lot since I was fifteen. And it's easy to justify other things. It's hard to go, hey, I'm just going to do this crack because I feel better, you know. But you can go, oh, well, I have to eat food. I hear a lot of people with the food thing. Um, you know, not gambling so much, but work's a big one because people go, well, I have to work. Well, you don't have to work 100 hours a week. I, I have literally worked 90-plus hour weeks and did it for a long time. And That's well, only half a week. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, but I just have to, I just have to monitor stuff constantly and go, where am I at on this, you know? And, and it's probably weird stuff that most people that are not like us never give it a thought, but. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, and, but this is the kind of things where there were, you know, it's good to have a sponsor. Absolutely. And maybe your sponsor can say, Hey, is, is, you know, is this becoming a, I, I, I'll say this real quick. Cause Hayden needs to talk. Yeah. Hayden. Much. Um, he, he must not have he any natural got instinct. a lot of natural instincts, <laughs> but, but anything pertaining to me in my life anything that i do so much that it affects other people right is not good or yourself or me yeah. you know I'm, i fail to look at me but yeah and case in point though the other people in your life should not have to adapt to that so let's take you know and jill jill got really personal with some stuff on mm-hmm. here let let's let me get really the other people in my life have adapted to me, to to my work schedule, to what I do, to me not ever being there, whether it's emotional or whatever that other stuff. And um they they have become adapted. So they do their own thing. Like they got their own lives. My kids are grown. They got kids and they do their own thing. And then sometimes I get in self pity wondering why they don't include me. Yeah. Whenever I created all of that myself. And these are the kind of things we find when we actually do a real four step. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm in my head going into the four step thinking, oh, man, I got to talk about this. I got to talk about that. When the truth is, there's some surface level stuff that I'm just completely ignoring because of some of the grosser handicaps in my life. But the truth is, whenever I look at it and, and I wonder why, you know, I didn't get invited to this. If I really think about it, you know, well, it's because... the they're probably going to know I'm not going to be there, you know. And it's poor me. Poor, poor, pitiful me. He's created yeah. this, this. I wouldn't call it a monster, but created something that this is the image that even even the closest people in my life see, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then on the flip side of that, the people at work, if you, you know, you're not there for 20 or 30 minutes want to know uh, why you ain't been there. Where you been? You know, I I got back Monday and everybody's asking me how my vacation was. And I've been at work every freaking day. You know, you said that, and this is a gratitude and going back to the five-year deal. Uh, I um, I got a teenage daughter texting me, you know, let me get $30. That's what it says on my, you know, uh-huh. oh. I'm so get it from Uncle Mike. How much but, uh, was yours? <laughs> 30 Mine was... <laughs> $228.14. I'll take my problems today, sir. <laughs> my daughter was $30. I'm getting off cheap. Um, Shout out to Savannah. Yes, and Shelby. I love Shelby, but she's like, I got a plan. I need $30. Uh, but, you know, I, my sponsor said something the other day. We just had this this discussion with the work and all that. 
And uh, right before a meeting, I went and sat down by him. He's like, how's work? And I've had a bunch of weird stuff going on. It sucks. And just trying to work through it. And I looked over at him and I said, man, work is so chaos. It's just chaos. And my personal life is the exact opposite. There's no chaos. And I said, it used to be. My personal life was all chaos. And work was like, that's what I did to like deal with the and he goes, well, would you trade it back? And I went, not for a million bucks. I'll take the work chaos because I just go home. That's just work. And, man, that's been a big adjustment for me. But him even saying that and me talking to him just for a minute, I was like, wow, it's totally flipped. Like, everything's so chill in my whole life except work, you know. So, But I'll take it. What about you, Hayden? Uh, Well, so I, I wanted to wait a little while before I talked because uh, – the main instinct that uh, my sponsor and I have talked about as, as far as it uh, pertains to me is love. So I wanted to space Jill share out as far from mine as possible. Um, you know, I have a, a very similar experience with uh, identifying the flaws in my, uh, in, in my instincts. Um, you know, from a very young age, I had a perception of uh, the way that I should be loved by everyone around me. And if I did not receive it in the way that I expected, then I was bent out of shape and I felt rejected by everyone. And, um, you know, it, it got to the point to where, you know, you hear in the program, if you want self-esteem, do esteemable things. And it's like, that's something that I've always had in my head my whole life. Maybe not in those words, but I, I assumed that if I did certain things, then I would have self-esteem. You know, if I had all of these things, uh, my, my material life, my, uh, my security and all of those things in check. Yeah. Everything would be just fine. Right. But, um, you know, what I found myself doing time and time again, whenever one of those things, uh, was out of whack, I would try and use the other one. So, uh, you know, whenever I was, uh, 18 years old, I had a pretty good job for my age and I felt great about that. But my life was unmanageable due uh, to drinking and using drugs to the point to where that was removed from my life. And then I went on to the next thing, you know, uh, I shared it the other day. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys were there, but my sponsor called me a hobosexual. And that's, <laughs> I, don't know, and that, I don't know what that is. Yeah, please explain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I'd sleep with anyone that had a roof, you know, because it got to the point to where I just, I had, I had nowhere to go. And, you know, like the roof thing was doing it for me. But I but, hope, uh, oh, I mean, that may include not a roof. Right. <laughs> well, no, that's the, that's the issue. Hang so. out at a lot of train stations. Right. But, uh, you know, it, it got to the point to where my grandma asked me one day, uh, <laughs> she was like, she was How like, does your grandma know this? <laughs> if your grandma calls you a hobosexual, you might be an alcoholic. Well, That's all uh, I'm saying. She never called me that. But <laughs> she, she asked me one day, she was like, man, why are you with her? And I told her, because no one else will love me. Mm. You know, and I truly believe that. I believe that uh, I'd gotten to a point in my life where I was so far gone that only someone like me or worse than me in my mind would be able to care for me in the way that I expected them to. You know, uh, I, I, I stuck around this uh, one female in particular for an extended period of time because uh, that was the only person I knew with lower self-esteem than myself. And, uh, you know, it, it it brought me nowhere except, yeah. <laughs> except straight to jail, actually. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, but I find myself even today 
with each and every one of these instincts out of whack at from time to time uh you know whenever i first got into uh the program i mean i made a strict decision like i'm not going to be in a relationship for a whole year i mean dude i'm about to have a baby in a month <laughs> and i've been sober for 15 <laughs> so i mean it's like uh you just jumped right out the gate at the oh, year didn't you man, yeah, man broke that on. rule <laughs> yeah. right uh, hey i broke it too right so uh and as far as my work life uh it's about to change a good bit you know I, I really enjoy the job that i have right now but uh you know i'm about to go back into something that i had in the past and it's about to look a lot different for me i'm, I'm going to be working quite a bit more than i than i have been and i'm not really sure how that balance is going to affect me because you know right now i have a really good work to personal life to recovery like i just have like a really good balance and uh you know i, I kind of had to make a decision with the family rather than myself because of my first my first instinct tells me it's like it's more money i'm about to do it right now yep but i took time and i spoke with my sponsor i spoke with jenna spoke with my father you know and i got all of i made a family decision that's going to change my life but that's what i have to do today because i still have a hard time looking at myself and i have a really hard time uh knowing whenever my instincts are out of whack i can't even talk about them so i mean it's like uh you know it's something that's never top of mind but i do know that my life goes a lot better whenever i let people that truly care about me and love me in on what's going on you know uh because it, I, I'm one to make quick decisions. I just, I really am. And something the program's given me is, uh, you know, accountability for one thing, but also the ability to just allow people to give me their input on what I should be and doing. And then actually listening to it right. and appreciating, like going, okay, I'll consider that. Or, Absolutely. you know, yeah, I had a lot of people give me stuff and it went in one ear and out the other, you know, and, um, that's good. I'm real. I'm like you. I'll, I'll just snap. Well, let's do that. And Bobby and I, you know, we have a decision. Um, we get a piece of paper out and we write pros and cons, you know, old yeah, school. That's an old school practice and, yeah. right there. And yep. uh, we go pros and cons and then I look at it on paper and I go, oh. Do you go into it with an open mind or do you want to put more? Usually not. And then he mind. changes my mind somewhere in that process. It's another good reason to have Yeah, I'm like, this is, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. He's awesome. So yeah, shout out to my sponsor by the way. We he went way more in depth uh, on the instincts that I'm able to share about, but uh, oh, absolutely, he, he did his part. <laughs> hey, sponsors, period, man. If if you you know, I tell you what, it, it's been a game changer. It's been a game changer, and just not even not even sobriety, but it all pertains to sobriety. So you say that, but but man, just life, you know. Uh, I've been involved in so much stuff with him that he's just carried me to stuff. And I'm like, why am I here right now? You know? And, and, uh, man, just kind of like that, that confidence of getting back out into life and doing and meeting people and doing things, you know? And, uh, but yeah, we still, if it's something big or I'm pissed, he'll be like, well, let's talk about it next week. And I'm like, no, let's do it now. You know, no, we're going to wait. So, uh, he's a good balance for me for sure. Well, you know, Sponsors can see a lot of stuff that we can't, you know, and, and I, I can see a lot of stuff my guys can't, you know. Um, 
you know, I, I remember early on in my recovery, and I was probably about three years in, and uh, I was talking about, I think it was purchasing a car for my son. And um, we talked about it a little while, and he's like, um, Are, I think you're performing. I, th- I think you're you're performing for your kid. I think you're trying to make up for some stuff that, you know, went down prior to this. And you're not forgiving yourself. What you're doing is buying yourself a pass by doing this, you know. And, and I thought about it. Obviously, I wouldn't still remember it, you know. But I really did. I went home and had some deep thought about it. And, uh, and I still bought the car for my kid which I probably shouldn't have, you know, <laughs> looking back on it. Cause, but he could see something I couldn't see back then. And he could always see stuff that I couldn't see back then. You know, these natural desires, though, or natural instincts or whatever they are, you know, go, they, they can go in any direction. You know, um, defiance, you know, I guess so at some point I want to protect what's mine, even if, even if I ain't got shit, right? I want to protect what's on the inside, you know, so I'm going to be naturally defiant of, of, um, of, of people above me, authority. I'm going to, I'm going to buck, buck the system or authority. You know, that's just a natural desire. The desire to be liked. Yeah. You know, there's only a few one man shows out there, you know, really, or one lady shows, whatever we call it, one person shows. And, and so that natural desire to be liked and do anything to make people like me. The old people pleaser. Yeah, the, the people pleaser. Guilty. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it. You know, I, I've, that's, that's a really big one. And you'll make yourself miserable. And the first person that comes along that don't like you. Oh, it's, oh it's over. Instead of, instead of saying to hell with it, you're like, I can't believe they don't. I can't I, believe all 10,000 of these people don't like <laughs> I'm, me. I'm devastated. <laughs> people don't like me. What? What is going on here? You know, I need to change to make them like me. And boom, right there. You know, I've made a bad decision based on a natural <laughs> instinct. You know, the decision to be liked. Um, I will tell you this, when it, it, this, this part, this is why I, I read this, this, it hit so close to home when I read it, I started thinking about it, you know, that how, how my natural instincts really warped me and, you know, believe it or not, relationships wasn't on there. I mean, that's just not, I, it's just not dying alone has not ever been, you know, and, and I get it, you know, but I also don't want to die with a whole bunch of other people right by me. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's probably going to be, you know, in a really bad accident, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't, that's never been one. But the, the desire to power, power is a big one. Um, the one to be in charge, you know, to have everyone listening to me and, you know, and I was I was uh, kind of like Hayden, you know, when I was 24 years old, I was put in a very, very high position in a company. And instead, instead of getting on my hands and knees and thanking God for that opportunity and saying, now, what can I do for every person that I serve? It was more like, now, what can these people do to serve me? You know, and it's like the power went to my head. And ultimately, when that downfall happened and it's going to happen, you know, ultimately, when that downfall happened um it was really bad for me you know I went into a huge state of self-pity for a long time wondering where my place in the world was and and then I got sober though I found AA talked to about my sponsor and luckily believe it or not three years into recovery um I'm back in the same exact position working for another company and I know what to do you know not to let the whole 
ego power thing go to my head and treat others worse as opposed to being a servant, you know. And um, so the, the, the instinct to be liked, the instinct of power, the instinct of, you know, it, the, the 12 and 12 talks about the, the, uh, the person being so desiring money so much that they become a miser and that they hoard it, mm. you know. And I guess that one's out there. I don't, I don't really know any personal people who hoard money. Um, I, I definitely don't. Um, I make really bad financial decisions. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just is what it is. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, that's also one that can be because we deprive others. So it's what instincts have affected other people. You know, and that that's really a tough look at when we got to look at that ourselves and look deep in ourselves and see what have I done that's affected other people. You know? And I never in my life thought I would look at a relationship with somebody and go, you know, one, it's affecting me, but also I'm probably not impe- uh, affecting them in a good way either with my stuff and going, let's part ways here. And the other person doesn't even realize like you parted ways. <laughs> well, well, that's again, another podcast. You're still here. I climbed out the window. Uh, but, but I mean, I look at that today and I go, am I like not doing well with it for this person? I mean, like is my bull crap that I'm, I'm well aware of maybe not that most healthy thing for them either. And, that's weird, man. Because I never thought of, I didn't care, you know. Um, but and not even not even uh, relationships as far as the opposite sex, but just friends or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. But what's well, weird? How you change? I do like hearing y'all say, "Yeah, five years." That just makes me smile because I'm, I'm. You're there, of, man. I'm, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you made I'm it. telling y'all, man. This is totally off the off the subject. But I'm five years into this program. And it has literally saved my life. It's changed my whole life. It's changed my whole way of thinking. And if you're out there and you, you know, you're you're trying to figure it out, stick with it. You're not going to do it perfect. I can tell you all the bad examples of everything to do in sobriety. Been there, done that. Just keep trucking. Don't drink. Don't use. Sit your ass in a chair. Listen to some people talk. Have a little coffee and just keep hanging around. And, uh. Man, I'm so grateful today. Y'all just don't even know. Um, well, it's a mir- It's been a miracle. And I've, you know? I've, I've seen you, you know, over the past five years, and I've seen a lot of growth in you. You know, your ability to make big decisions, you know, based on data, based on facts, instead of just based on an emotion, you know. And that, you know, next week or on our next episode, is that's what we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss emotional sobriety. Um, and I, I'm no expert in emotional sobriety. I don't, you know, bring a whole lot to the table, but you said something that made me think, you know, in a way this thing forces you to grow up. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it really does. Yeah, I mean, accountability. I was a 17 year old kid trapped in a 38 year old body whenever I got into Guilty. the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, it does, it forces you to grow up. And so Natural okay. instincts, in some cases, don't work, right? So my natural instinct to be a father should have kicked in whenever my kids were born. And instead of doing some of the stupid stuff that I did, I should have been a father. I should have been right there, you know. My natural instinct to be a uh, 
the, the, I don't want to use the term, but to be the head of the household for, you know, term's sake, I can't think of a better term. But my natural instinct to be the head of the household should have been, I should have been the one making sure that maybe the oil got changed in the vehicles or the grass got mowed or the house got painted or, or the bills got paid or stuff like that. Mm. You know, for some reason, those natural instincts never kicked in. Yeah. It was just party on you know like wayne and garth i was just always in party mode except for when i was at work and then when i was comfortable yeah even back then and then as soon as it you know was time to leave i got comfortable in another way what i thought was comfort you know i was taking it externally you know and a lot of times we talk about these stuff on these shows and i realize it for the first time this is not like i've sat and thought about this forever but it's also what AA meetings can do for me, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I sit there and I hear other people and something clicks, like, bam, you know. And if I sit and listen in a meeting, every single meeting, I can hear something. Something's going yeah, to get said. Sure. If, if you hear nothing else out of me, I, I, five years, I don't know how many meetings I've been to in that amount of time. I've never left an AA meeting feeling worse than when I walked through the door. <laughs> Not one time. I know and I've been that, to them all I over. I totally have. Have you? Well, <laughs> yeah. I've left meetings. And by that, by that, I mean, <laughs> you had the COVID at the meeting and it started making you feel bad. You had to leave. No, no, I've had Well, by that, I mean, I can always hear something and I may be having a, 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 a junky day or, or whatever is going on. But I always, like you said, I always hear something and I leave there and go, okay, you know, I needed to hear whatever that was. And, um, I just haven't. I've never have, but maybe that shows how horrible I feel when I usually walk in. You know, there's nowhere to go but up. But right, I'm I'm just like Jill. So uh, I mean, there's been multiple times that I went to meetings and felt abs way worse after I left, uh, especially early on. But uh, it's never been anyone's fault except mine. I mean, anytime that I find something unacceptable in my life, especially whenever it's someone speaking about their recovery i mean i really need to take a look at myself and see why that's bothering me in this way have you ever been yeah. to a bad meeting any of y'all ever been to yes that? and yes. that's yeah. oh, i yeah. went to a sick meeting and it was horrific i can't even tell you what was being taught well, for the about. kids out there the word sick is good <laughs> oh sh- well emotionally disturbing you, so meeting. It, this was beyond disturbing and uh practically i mean when I, I was the first one to leave because so i was like i'm not i can't listen i can't even say what he talked about but i i left and then people just started piling out of the meeting and there's been points in my recovery where i am so damn irritable that i can't even be around people like just being in the meeting and seeing some or just anything just just i have those and dude i just don't go and i know this is the wrong answer no it's not a meeting it's that i don't need to be around people no I, I, i get there yeah, and, and I just go, I'm going to skip today, and I'm going to go find a fishing pole. Well, and, and people say, like, well, that's when you need it the most, but then, then there's sometimes it, it isn't. Like, I can't I'm, be around people you. at this I'm point. With I'm with you. <laughs> now, yeah. I, I, will call, I, will, I will call my sponsor, but as far as being around people, and it doesn't matter if it's at work or a meeting or wherever, it's like at that point in time, I just don't need to be around yeah. anybody. And I don't want to go in like the club where we all go and i'm in that kind of mood oh i don't need to be gosh, in there because right. i don't need to say something to somebody or they take it the wrong way and and go man look at this jerk you know and i don't need to do that you know so i have them. it's gotten better it hasn't <laughs> happened in a while jill you're not mean though well you, you know, go to the koala club nice. too has it ever happened at the koala club 
No. Yeah. Koala Club's a little different. It's, you know, and I can honestly say the uh, Serenity by the Lake down in Mandeville, it's about, you know, it's about the same as Koala Club. I, you know, never, never had any of that, you know, go on. Have you ever been to a Batman, Mike? <sighs> I've been to, uh, I have in, in 12 years, and I'm being dead honest with everyone at this table, in 12 years, I have been to on a, about a meeting a day, so take out maybe six months where I only went five days a week. Um, so that's a lot of meetings, and I have been to one bad meeting, and that happened to be at the Mandeville Group down in New Orleans, and and that was not anything to do with that group. That was to do with um, someone who was visiting that probably needed help um, more than I particularly did that day. And I chose to uh, chose to leave the meeting in order to maintain my serenity and the serenity of those around me. But that was one meeting. You know, I, besides that, I, early recovery, I would go to meetings and somebody would say something that that I would find offensive. You know, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, you're rambling, you know, got to cut you off, stuff like that. And I would find it disturbing. But looking back on it, it was the best thing for me because going back to those natural instincts and me wanting to buck authority. Right. Well, I sat there and I took it and I stayed for the rest of that meeting and ultimately I've stayed since, you know. So uh, one bad meeting in 12 years and, you know, and I, I get it. There, there's different meetings and there's a lot of stuff that goes on out there that can cause a meeting to be what a meeting is. I went know. to right. a meeting in the city here, not at Koala Club, um, a year in, and the guy, I guess – the whoever was chairing the meeting that night got picked at the last minute because the person didn't show up. He didn't feel real good and proceeded to get at the head of the table with about 50 people and say, I don't want to be here. I don't care. I don't want to do this meeting. And I thought, well, what a great way to start that off. And about five minutes into it, I realized his attitude was not going to get any better. And I'd left. And that's, I think, the only one I've ever left like that. You could offer so, to chair the meeting. And it wouldn't no, I'd <laughs> so I just left. I'm so. kind of like Mike early on. Uh, there were some people that said some things in uh, my early meetings that uh, absolutely rubbed me the wrong way. And <laughs> one day I pulled my buddy Turtle to the side and I was like, did you hear what that motherfucker said? Because I felt like he was talking about me, and he was like, dude, if the shoe fits, wear it, you oh, know? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I, I was so self-centered that I felt like, and it was a really small, intimate group of guys, and we all knew each other. So every time mm -hmm. someone would share something, I would just feel like, that dude's talking about yeah, me just get in front of everybody. Let me back up one second. You <laughs> was in there with a dude named Turtle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hell, yeah. They were trying to get him to come Hell, out of the right. show. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and he's in that he's in the program yeah oh yeah that's awesome yeah there's a box turtle or snapper <laughs> yeah i um you know i i remember in rehab uh one of the counselors came in and by the way a um, very influential part of my getting sober right haven't seen him since i've been sober so haven't seen him since i left brentwood all those years ago but he was a guy named James. I was just about to say, is it James? It was James. And and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if I would have even went to an AA meeting after I left that time, the sixth time, had it not been for that man. 
because I had zero confidence in anyone there. And that guy got me in the office one day and he told me the truth about me in a way that I have never, it's almost like he read my book, you know? And, um, but he said one time he was talking to the group and he said, uh, have you ever been to church and sit in a row and everything the preacher says is about you and you just know he's talking about you and basically everybody could do what you guys are doing not in their head yeah he goes you are one selfish person (laughs) it is not about you there is nothing about you that preacher probably don't even know you you're just (laughs) thinking too much about you i remember thinking oh he told them off (laughs) because i know he wasn't talking to me (laughs) you're looking around like who you getting after Uh, i haven't been to church in years (laughs) and when they was talking they were talking about me because i was running around you know uh no um but that that is that goes back to the uh you know, a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking of, of, of what, well, what, what I am and, and maybe what I'm trying to do something about, but, uh, man, it's been a good episode. Mm-hmm. It's been a real good episode. I, um, I want to remind the listeners out there that we do have an email address. It's G and B at gmail.com. And we have a phone number. No one's ever actually called it, but if you want to call it and, um, leave a voicemail we will play your voicemail on the air um we do have the technology to do that we have the technology um to get people to call in and actually talk on the show we just haven't used it yet and i got to set that up with someone but the number is uh 985-377-4816 if you want to call in and leave a voicemail um if you want to leave an email we'll read it on the um on the air if you want to got a topic if you want to get on my instagram shoot me a message or if you just want to shout out or somebody to mention you on the air please get a hold of me matt jill Hayden, whoever it is that you're around that's normally on the show, Jennifer even, um, she wasn't with us tonight, but I'm sure she will field those uh, those questions or, or the shout-out or whatever it is. And Of course, i got to leave my normal shout-outs to our listeners that do contact me on a regular basis. And uh, I think the uh, top listener that we have that actually shouts out to me is Amy C. down in, uh, down in uh, Lacombe, Louisiana. She listens to every episode we put out, I think. Um, Faye and Michelle from the Koala mm-hmm. Club always and Judy and Larry um, a couple that I have become friends with over the past 12, 13 years. I've known Judy almost 20 but I met Larry about 12. Larry's in the program and um, these two are going to become one on September the 9th Sweet. in Florida. Yeah and um, I hope they don't mind me mentioning that because I, I wish them the best and I'm glad to see that happening and um they're loyal listeners and um we really want to hear from everyone reach out to us give us some topics anything you want to hear about emotional sobriety is going to lead off our next uh it's going to be our next topic and and that's getting closer and closer to the actual fifth step that we have not discussed but i think this is going to finalize what we talk about for now on the fourth step we can always revert and go back and talk about some stuff that somebody may think we have left out or you know, oh, also got a shout out to Jane. Jane, uh, Jane R. always listens to our show and um, always has good things to say about it. And, hey, hey, if you have bad things to say, let us know. We'll, we'll do what we can to uh, get the listeners what they need, get them the stuff. So 
Um, like to thank all our listeners again for listening to us. I uh, hope to hear from you on the next one and uh, or by the next one. And um, signing off from Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Yeah.